listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. So Jeff, this next guest, actually, I think it was a miracle we got on his calendar because from what I can tell based on our opening discussion, he said he's been around the globe three times this year, two and a half times. <laughs> so I think we caught him when he landed in Dubai on the way to Hungary, perhaps in a five minute window from the airport. I'm so, glad you have clout to pull in guests like this. We, yes, I, oh, I am pretty important, Jeff. So, okay, let's just get, let's get rolling here. So we actually have the CEO of the Alliant Global Alliance, Giles Brake with us. Giles, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here. Maybe just quick intro to you, quick intro to, to the Global Alliance. Just kind of give us a little background, if you don't mind. Well, thank you, Jeff and Jason. Thank you for inviting me to bloviate. You guys. <laughs> I know that word's been banded nice. around. I've, I've been a, a long time admirer of the podcast. So pleasure to be with you. Yes, my name is, is Giles Brake. I'm the CEO of Alliot Global Alliance, as you said. We're an alliance of 215 owner-managed accounting and law firms in 95 countries right across Americas. EMEA and Asia Pacific regions. So we have a pretty strong global presence these days. Collectively, we're around 7,000 employees across the globe. Collective revenues of all of our what we call member firms are now close to about 800 million US dollars. We are headquartered in the UK, but that is something of a, I would say, a legacy. We have a sort of governance structure that stretches across the globe and staff who are spread around different countries. And in North America itself, we've got about 30 member firms these days. Our member firms are mid-size. So that would mean different things in different marketplaces around the world. But generally speaking, that means anywhere from 20 to about 200 fee earners. And I'd say the sweet spot for us is about 50 fee earners. And what our member firms tend to focus on is very much the closely held owner-managed businesses and if I could sort of sum up just quickly the purpose of the alliance, it's very much to be a global solutions provider to the business world, but also to connect what we think are leading local mid-sized firms so that they can have the global reach they need. And of course, the global resources that they need as well to, to be much more competitive against the, the bigger firms that they face down in, in their local markets. So yeah, that's pretty a quick introduction to, to what we do. Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine it's pretty self-evident why we invited Giles here today for the listeners. You know, I mean, Jeff and I are, are doing this sequence where we're, we're sort of calling it view from above. And the idea is to kind of get a macro sense of what's going on from folks like yourself uh, around kind of just big picture, what, what what's happening. It's been such a kind of interesting and chaotic seven, eight months of 2022 <laughs> for so many reasons. Certainly has. Yeah. So excited to talk to you about kind of what you're seeing and what's going on across your your, your member base. So Jeff, sure. where do you want to start? Full disclosure, Jeff gave us a 37 point outline and we've got like 20 minutes. So I don't know how we're going to do that. So Jeff, you, know, you got to pick an entry point. For Boy, I tell you, it, you know, if you weren't such a, a, a timekeeper, we would have really, really cool podcasts. Yes, people would love to listen to a six and a half hour loviation session, right? That'd be fabulous. I'll jump in. Let's let's start at the top, Giles, and then we'll kind of work down. From all this jetting around the world, what are some of the major trends you're seeing develop either globally or nationally 
Well, I'll try and talk globally. Obviously, some of them are more distinct from a regional perspective. But I think the one thing I'm hearing wherever I go, except maybe India, is the war for talent. It's no secret probably to to you or, or the people listening that there's a fierce war for talent going on in the accounting industry. It's been going on for many years. And the biggest issue I would say that many firms face is the lack of staff at all levels as business is increasing. We're seeing firms are just completely slammed. The pandemic, of course, created a lot of extra work, as do things like changing tax laws, support during the pandemic was provided by governments around the world. So recruitment is a major issue. I've heard stories of candidates getting five or six offers from accounting firms. I'm hearing stories of newly recruited staff members not turning up to their new place of work on the first day. Some of them not even calling in to say they're not coming in. Yeah, I've heard that from recruiters as well. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what is this? Yeah. Just incredible, yeah. Because they, you know, the, the candidates wield the power, I think, a lot more these days. And, you know, I heard our Ireland member quip at the end of last year. He said that, you know, the war for talent is over. The employees won. <laughs> you know, that's It's probably the reality of this. And I think just probably at the root of this talent crunch is the fact that fewer people are studying accounting at the university level because it's it's less valuable as a degree you know just take the US where it you know it takes 5 years mm-hmm. to be a CPA versus 4 years for most other disciplines and added to this some CPAs are exiting the profession for in-house CFO type roles maybe working for tech startups those sort mm-hmm. of places that are able to offer attractive working environments stock options that sort of thing and I guess candidates think, well, I'm not going to have to work insane hours during tax season or chase possibly unrealistic billable hours targets at a firm. So I guess there are many more career options now open to smart financial professionals. I suppose what I would say is there is a silver lining to the cloud. I think from what I can see, accounting firms are getting more creative in terms of solving this staffing crisis. We're seeing you know, US firms hiring people from right across the country. I don't think we saw as much of this before the pandemic when you know, remote and, and flexible working wasn't really a thing. So th- I think the pandemic has just shown that remote working is feasible. And I think this is gonna you know, open the door as well to more diversity and inclusion, bringing new people into the firms. You know, it's, it is very much a world which is which is male dominated, certainly at, at the partner level. So that's probably where we're going to see staffing change. Is the trend easing? Possibly it's starting to. Heard from some firms in North America that they're seeing some some softening in the labor market with maybe not as much staff turnover and more qualified people to choose from. But I think those firms that are seeing that are the ones that have really worked hard over the years to develop a, a, a workplace and a culture, I suppose, where people really want to, you know, want to work for those firms. On the flip side, I think as well, firms are, are grappling with how to keep a remote or hybrid workforce engaged. I'm sure that's yeah. probably the similar everywhere, but the concept of working from home is popular right now. It has a lot more appeal than it, it did in the past. But, you know, that sense of office camaraderie, the sense of fun, I suppose, and the sense of belonging and loyalty, that's harder to, to embed, I guess, with certain people. And, I, and with this as well, linked to this, uh, you know, the, the current leadership of firms are thinking, well, you know, 
Who's going to lead the firm in the future? Can you lead a firm if you're remotely based or you're hybrid? I know a lot of our senior and managing partners probably feel that, you know, you need to show up. You need to be seen. You need to be in the office. You can't be, you know, thousands of miles away on a different coastline. So that poses an issue as well because succession and and leadership in firms is is a huge issue. It has been since I started in this industry 20 years ago. Two things people were talking about 20 years ago when I first started were recruitment and retention and succession. And those issues remain, but they've just become much more acute through the pandemic. And while well, we've had the, the great resignation or what some people are calling the, the great renegotiation. So Giles, in a situation like that, what gives? Are firms turning down work? Are they more selective in the type of work they're doing? Is growth being limited? What What are you seeing? I think you're right, Jeff. I think for a long time, firms have been grading their clients. And I think now there's there's such a demand for their services that they are able to be more choosy about which clients they they take on, which clients they you know they they keep. Some firms are turning away a lot of business. I think they're having to do that because they don't have the staff often to service the work, so they want to keep their clients happy. But I think a lot of firms are benefiting. I think certainly the, the stronger firms are benefiting from some of the smaller, weaker firms going out of business, the ones that maybe were run by older people, older accountants, ones who are what we call baby boomers, I suppose, that weren't able to find successes to take their firms forward. The stronger firms have benefited from those clients needing a new home. They've been able to bring them in. So they've been able to sort of top grade their client bases as a result and maybe let go of some of the other clients, divest themselves of some clients who were, you know, either late payers, I guess we all have those at times, <laughs> late payers, or maybe clients who are just generally disagreeable people to, to deal with. And as we know, I think, you know, it's not a great advert for the firm if you have clients that are you know, that are not nice people to deal with. That's not a, a place that a limited supply of, of candidates are one are going to come and work for. So firms have probably focused a lot during the pandemic on making sure they have a good culture, but also great clients that, that will attract good people to the firm. Yeah. Try to run a podcast with people like that. You know, Jeff, I was thinking like, could you, is it possible to position a firm as we only work with the crappy, difficult to work with clients and we charge them an arm and a leg? <laughs> There could be a creative way of doing that. You know? Yeah. I'd like to take that challenge on. We work with the worst of the worst, but we pay really well. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy, Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. So let's pivot a little bit then. Are you seeing any innovative solutions to some of these dilemmas? Like, are you like, there's been for years this this idea that, and this is going to be conceptual, artificial intelligence is going to eat away at audit jobs, you know, mm. low end activities within the accounting firm. Are, are you seeing anything like that? Are you seeing any any, any innovative solutions that are like, yeah, you know, sure. getting around this talent challenge, you know, mm-hmm. from the side somehow and say, well, what, how do we re-engineer the organization so that we can do something different here? Yeah, I guess there's, there's various innovative things we're seeing. First of all, yes, I would say technology. We are seeing technologies such as, you know, automation, artificial intelligence, 
data analytics, for example. Being embedded more into products, some existing products, some new software solutions, certainly that's making some of the jobs less intensive, less boring, dare I say, I think. Yeah. You know, I mean, as we're seeing automation used, for example, in employee benefit plans, audits, that sort of work, which can you know, take 10, 20 hours off doing that sort of audit. So it's a huge time saver. And it also enables staff to focus, I suppose, on work that is more rewarding, that is less laborious and less boring. So that is also attractive, I guess, for the industry moving forward. The other thing we're seeing is outsourcing or offshoring, it's sometimes known as. Certainly 10 years ago, when I was talking to US accounting firms about outsourcing, there were many firms who were very anti-outsourcing wanting to keep jobs in America, for example. Maybe there were more accountants around at that time. Obviously, things are more extreme now, but we are seeing more and more, certainly firms within our alliance that are outsourcing to places like India, Uruguay. We have member firms who have very slick outsourcing solutions in that particular area. So it's not just things like you know 401ks now, it's, it's more sophisticated tax services like transfer pricing, for example, being done offshore. Because, you know, hiring is expensive as well. So, you know, hiring staff in the US is expensive and being able to put them offshore fixes that that issue as well to some degree. So outsourcing is another solution we're seeing as, as well as technology. And I think staff expect the technology as well. They expect to be trained in, in the latest software. It's obviously something they can use to progress themselves and make themselves more employable and marketable. And clients expect it as well, I think, because who wants to work with an accountant who's who just uses spreadsheets. They want to work with a firm that can bring them much more powerful insights into what their business data means, you know, sometimes even on, on a real-time basis. So we're certainly seeing a lot of innovation. It has taken some time to come through, but it's, I think it's coming through thick and fast now. I mean, certainly here at the Alliance, I've been approached in the last month, I would say, by at least three organizations, software companies that are gone beyond that startup stage that are now really, some of them taking on two or three clients a week with some of these innovative products that they have to just really accelerate and streamline some of the accounting tasks or service lines that, that businesses need to use day in, day out. Giles, I wonder if acquisition isn't seen as a panacea to a lot of the problems and trends that are happening. We just did a, mm. a series on creating value, but my sense is acquisitions can be a, a way to solve succession issues, acquire talent, you know, in addition to, you know, the expansion and in, in the growth. But I mean, that has some real benefits, you know, short term to these problems. Are you seeing that? Yes, we are seeing that. I mean, luckily, we're seeing from our perspective at the Alliance, we're seeing firms tending to acquire other smaller practices rather than our firms merging upstream. We're seeing, I mean, again, this has been going on for years, Jeff, the merging up process. You've seen some of the networks and alliances grow significantly over the years, snapping up smaller practices. We've seen a few of ours go over the years, but not that many. And yeah, you're right. Succession is at the root of it. Firms just do not have the people coming through sometimes to become partners, equity partners, and enable the other partners to exit the business. You know, I think a lot of people... A lot of the accountants coming through don't want to become partners. That's the reality of it. They probably see the, the partner's cars parked up in the parking lot on a Sunday afternoon and they think, that's not for me. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'd like to have a life, thank you very much. So 
you know, that, that, that is the reality. So, yes, acquisitions are going on to solve the staffing challenge, to acquire specialist niches as well. Sometimes merging up, selling out is the, is the, is the only solution that, that some firms have. So it's very much a reality, Jeff, that that's going on day in, day out. The other thing we're seeing is private equity, of course, coming in as well, which is interesting, I think, from, from two perspectives. From the private equity perspective, I think they're looking at accounting firms, certainly the what you would call the non-attest side of their businesses, so the tax and the accounting. They're seeing that as interesting, lucrative business models. They're seeing them as recession-proof. They're seeing them as, I think, having a lot of interesting growth prospects because a lot of accounting firms are moving away from the you know the core business as such, or the certainly the compliance side of the business, more into the advisory, which is where the money really is. So accounting firms are seen, I think, as a, a really solid proposition. If we've seen firms like Eisner Ampner get private equity investment. We've seen Citroen Cooperman as well taking on investment. So, you know, the accounting firms need the capital. And for the private equity firms, for them, it seems to be a low, a low risk, very attractive investment. So I think we're going to see probably more and more of that. Is it a good thing? I'm not sure it is. I think once the ownership comes out of the hands of the owner managers, you have people maybe slashing costs, outsourcing, taking the eye off the clients, keeping an eye on the bottom line a bit more. I think it could be a slippery slope. I was reading the Wall Street Journal today and there was a article in there on significant trend among CFOs to use zero-based budgeting right now, what you can imagine going into the to the recession. So I, I suspect firms should start to get used to some cost cutting going on. Can I pivot just a, a little from these major trends to maybe Ooh. some trend causing events, if we will? Sure. Two of them. The first one in today's Wall Street Journal, there, there was also an article in there about EY and its divestiture of its its consulting practice. And the article said that the other big four, the remaining big three, had no intentions of, of divesting theirs. But how do you think that event is going to impact the industry? I think it, in certainly in many countries, the audit function has been bifurcated from the other side of the business, the accounting and tax for, for some time. So, you know, often you'll see firms not able to take on clients that they're doing the audit for. So it's obviously impacted their ability to do some of the more lucrative advisory work for those clients. So I think you're going to see probably some of the audits, for example, passed down to some of the smaller accounting firms that want to take on that work if they're capable of servicing a client of that size, allowing the, the bigger firms to focus more on the advisory work, which is where, as I said earlier, where the money really is. So it's going to be some changes. I think you'll probably see less focus on audit, more on the advisory side of, of the business. This, this could be a pie in the sky question. I'm probably embarrassed to ask it because it might make me look stupid, but what the heck? The, it's it, never it, stopped you before. It never stopped me before. <laughs> when, because it seems eminent, EY divests its consulting practice. Does that make EY an acquisition target for the remaining three? And do we get further consolidation? Would would that ever happen? Nothing surprises me. Nothing surprises me anymore, but I would be surprised if, if it happened. I mean, we certainly saw PWC divest of their global mobility 
service line. They had a, a big business that was called, I think it was called PwC Global Mobility. They sold that. It was acquired by another business. It wasn't one of the the remaining big firms. But yeah, so I, I'd be surprised, but certainly Big Four are hiving off practices and selling them and, and making a lot of money in the process. I was very surprised actually to see that particular business have plans to remove the PwC brand. And, and I think they've already done that now and renamed it something else. I think I'm not sure they had to do that, but they have done that. Whether that proves to be a, a good strategy that remains to be seen, given the, the equity that is in the PwC name, obviously. Yeah, it's funny. Three simple letters. The second <laughs> event is, in the, this is American-based, but the Inflation Reduction Act is adding 87,000 new IRS agents. Is this going to be a boon for the accounting industry? I must confess, Jim, it's not something I know a lot about, but certainly any regulations that change on the tax side, whether it's America's wealthiest needing audits done on them, obviously creates work for CPAs. So I would think so. I mean, certainly, although changing regulations could create a, a headache, I guess, to some degree, you know, it's the accountants that have to sort it out. So I'm sure there's a lot of accountants rubbing their hands thinking this is going to be good for business. I wrote down the war of talent was sort of like a, a combination of increased demand and reduced supply all at the same time. I would mm-hmm. like to get your take before we run out of time because I know you've got a hard stop to catch another plane to you know South Africa or something. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to get your take on what's the overall confidence feel like from firm CEOs right now? Like when you talk to people, are they upbeat? Do they feel really good kind of coming into the second half of the year and moving into the first quarter of next year? Or do you get more kind of negative vibes? Like, you know, when you talk to firm leaders, what do you sense and feel? Certainly talking to those who run professional firms, particularly accountants. Yeah, I think the biggest headache, as we said, is staff. Very concerned about staffing issues, although maybe, as we said earlier, a little bit of softening there. But but that is what is really keeping people awake at night. Obviously, thinking about, you know, succession on the one hand. On the other hand, getting work done for, for valued clients. I would say that I think a lot of people are aware there's a, a, a recession that keeps being mooted. Whether that's going to really cause a, a big headache, we're not sure. But certainly from the leaders I'm talking to, people are, are not too worried about it. They're not seeing a slowdown coming. I think instead they're preparing for an increase in demand across the board because of regulations changing, all that sort of thing. So there's certainly um, optimism about business increasing, but possibly still that reservation, of course, about how they're going to get all that work done. So a lot of firms are scrambling around looking for solutions, whether that's outsourcing, whether that's fast-tracking technology into their firms, whether that's you know joining a, an alliance like us where they can you know access more staff and when they're busy and maybe when firms are not so busy. We've got the obviously the some firms around the world are busy in one time of the year, uh, firms in another part of the world are, are not so busy. So. There's lots of solutions out there. And as I said at the start, I think firms are getting more and more creative. They've had to be to make sure that they can continue to thrive. But I, don't, I certainly don't see that there's any great danger to the profession. I think quite the opposite. I think firms are probably set to, to do quite well in the next few years, at least. That's uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm not surprised by that response, Jeff. You know, I know we're running out of time with Giles. Anything in, in the 37 point outline? I'm teasing. 
that we didn't cover <laughs> that, that you're like, man, we really want to cover this because this is really important. I have one question. When you look at the market, is there a firm that stands out to you as really creative, really on top of all these issues and is a firm to watch? Well, I don't really want to dumb down the achievements of, of any firm in the industry. I think if you talk to most firms in our alliance, I don't think they're paying a lot of attention to what other firms are doing, except maybe looking at some of their best practices and, and trying to see if they might work for them. You could probably, I suppose, look at the big four and tip your hat to them. If you look at the, the revenue of those businesses, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, the big four account for about 75% of the total revenues of the top 25 firms and networks. That is, you know, that is some 168 million US dollars. So certainly financially, those are the, the leaders in the industry, of course, the big four, as we call them. But you know, the, the, the reality is that the, the owner managers of the sort of firms that I interact with daily, I've often trained and worked those big four firms. They've exited those businesses because they didn't enjoy that sort of big firm environment and they, they wanted to be more in control of, of their firm's destiny. They wanted to be much more hands-on with those clients. And, you know, you can look at them, as I say, financially and think they're very successful and the leaders, but in reality, I think it's probably more important that firms focus on themselves and being amazing for their own clients and, and for their staff. I think if they're amazing for enough people, then they will be perceived as leaders in the industry themselves. So that's the way we would probably look at it. So I lied. I have one more question. <laughs> Far away. So Giles, uh, actually I have two more questions. One, if we have uh, some partners listening and they want to find you, where can they go? And when they go there, what are they going to find that's really cool about being a part of your organization? Probably the best place to go to find out more information would be the website, which is www.alliotglobal.com. It's a bit of a difficult domain to spell, so I'll just say it's A-L-L-I-O-T-Global.com. Or go to LinkedIn. We're, we're very active there, too. Look at the company page. It, you know, On there, they will find a lot of information all around the world, which firms can can, can read to really get up to date on what is happening out there. I think it's very easy to get blindsided when you're working for a, an independent local firm. You need to see what's coming at you. And that's where the alliance can be really useful to the mid-sized firm. There's a lot of change coming with technology, staffing, etc. So being a member of an alliance gives you access immediately overnight to Peers, managing partners, partners who are very similar to you, who are all facing the same challenges, who all see the similar opportunities, who work for similar clients. So there's an immediate synergy between you as leaders. And the great thing about it as well is that there's absolutely no competition between the member firms because we give every firm a distinctive geographic territory. We don't bring another firm into that territory. You have that territory to use for marketing purposes as well. So you can position yourself as a firm that's representing an international alliance in your particular city, state, or country. So there's a lot of different benefits to being a part of the group. And, you know, we tend to see firms joining and, and very few of them leaving. In fact, we have some that have been members of the alliance since the beginning. 
1979. And the, you know, the, the, the retention rates every year are something like 98, 99%. So we think alliances are a good model. There's lots of good alliances out there like us. But yeah, please do take a look at the website or the, the LinkedIn pages. I want to thank you for joining us. I always appreciate talking with you because you broaden my worldview. So maybe kind of <laughs> a plug for the Alliance model in that sense, because it helps me kind of think from a different direction about what's going on in the spaces in which we work. So, so thank you so much. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure to be a guest. Thank you very much. Thanks, Giles. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, oh, oh.